0: Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Pastor Emerita Barb with the word. I was told I didn't have to be Pastor Emerita up here this morning. They told me I could just be Barbara. But I'm actually going to be Barbara Hildegard, and you're going to find out why in a little bit. But, okay, buckle up, you guys, because now it's time for the teaching. I have seven pages of notes. We'll probably be here until Wednesday. Uh, However, I wore sandals um, because a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Ryan let us know that he was just throwing his pastor hat out the car window. And... uh, You know, he is the most um, amazingly interesting specimen. (laughs) And do you notice that he always wore sandals when he was teaching? Like, what kind of a pastor is that anyway? uh, I'm wearing sandals today in his honor. Just so you know, I am wearing sandals. Mine are cuter than his have ever been, but (laughs) I am wearing sandals. I also did something really unusual for me. I brought one of my many Bibles, Because paper is really the way that I read scripture, too. um, But mostly at home, because the book gets heavier all the time. So I'm going to put the book right there next to the sandals. And then the next thing that I'm going to do is, here are my seven pages of notes. Can you say F that in church? I guess by asking the question I just did. Uh Uh-oh, I told... I told him that I might not be subversive, but I might use the word subversive. So, okay. Um, we're going on a ride, you guys. We're going on the wandering, wondering of this series that we are in right now. And we're going to begin with scripture. Um, I love, isn't it interesting that we today prayed for my friends, for my sister and my brother, for my son and my daughter? that they would, they would go to the desert. But really, isn't that the prayer for each and every one of us, that we would go to the desert? Because, see, the Egyptians were delivered because they were willing to go to the desert. And we make up that the desert is this hot, horrible, dead place, but it isn't. People like Valida and Richard live in the desert. Think of of the riches that this couple brings. Think of what might be in the desert, all the places that we complain and grumble about exactly the same way those Israelites did. Maybe the desert is actually the place where we find ourselves and God uniquely connected one with the other. Um, So we're going to go, we're going to We're just going to talk a lot about what it means to wander in the deserts of all the lives, of all the seasons, of all the places that we find ourselves in as people, as young people, as middle people, as very old people who are still wandering in deserts, deserts of our own making, deserts that were made for us. Uh, And there's a word that came up for me the last two weeks as I was listening to first Ryan teach um, and then Pastor Danny teach last week. um, The word that came up for me is that we're always in exile, that we are people that don't have a home because when we say yes to Jesus, what he says to us is, forget the home you think you have. I am offering you something new. I'm offering you a home with me, and in order to find that home, you got to wander. You have to wander. You can't do it any other way. You can't just say the prayer, read the passage, come to church on Sunday, and think that you are at home with me, because that is not what my home looks like. My home looks like picking up the rocks and finding out what lives underneath them and then inviting those things to your house for dinner I could really go on with that one, but I only have a short amount of time. Um, so we wander as exiles. We wander as people who don't live in Egypt anymore. Thank. Can we just say thank you, Jesus, that you call us to wander, that we don't have to live in Egypt? Because what is Egypt? Egypt is a metaphor for oppressive slavery. It's a metaphor for... I don't want to say heat, because I'm kind of making that the good thing here. But it's a metaphor for the sweat of the brow, of working, of making bricks, of building tall edifices to gods that are not God. Egypt is an icky place. But unfortunately, Egypt is also a very comfortable place. And Egypt is portrayed over and over and over again in the Bible— Right now, I'm just thinking of John 6. Maybe it's John 5. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's the man at the pool of Bethsaida who is waiting to be healed from the water. And, you know, the time is never right. And he's been there for a ton of years. And he has made that place, his personal Egypt, so very comfortable. If I'm the one at that pool, I've got pillows that match. You know? (laughs) I've got a little hot plate and I'm cooking for others while I'm waiting to get into that pool to be healed. But it is still my place of oppression. And then Jesus comes and he looks him in the eye. I didn't even know I was going here. He looks him in the eye and he asks him this one simple little question and he says, do you want to be healed? Because you've been in Egypt for a really long time. And Egypt is cute and Egypt is comfortable And it's oppressive. So do you want to be healed? And then that man has finally the ability. He does argue with him a little bit. We won't go there. uh, Because that would be us, right? He finally has the ability to say yes. And then you know he doesn't say, that's great. Stay here in your comfort. He says, take up your mat. He says, and walk. But I'm going to extrapolate the word walk, and I'm going to say what he says to him is, go wander now the desert. Go to the desert and find yourself. Now you're in exile. You don't live here anymore. Egypt is no longer for you. Is Egypt still for us? Um, I'm going to say that it is. I may have left Egypt in one sense, but I know that there are still so many other Egypts that I am so comfortable with. I'm just thinking, here I am, old, fat woman. I don't, no, no, no. I I, I don't mean fat in the sense of I'm not putting myself down here. I am fat with stuff. Some of you have seen my refrigerator. (laughs) I have everything. I have more than any person could ever want or need in a lifetime, in a series of lifetimes. How hard it is to leave that place of fatness. How hard it is to leave the comfortable trappings that we have built to make us comfortable in the Egypt we find ourselves in. Um, Do you know that people in prison, in real prison now, you know they make their cells really comfortable? They bring books in, and they've got things that they listen to, and they might have little desks set up. People that spend a lot of time in jail. And you know what happens? When they're they're supposed to go, they don't want to because they've created so much comfort in in a prison cell. And I think that that's what the Holy Spirit is really saying today. Get out of the cell. Get out of the comfort. Be willing to leave Egypt and wander. Go to the desert. See how much life your tears and my living water can bring if you're willing to wander with Jesus. None of that is in my notes. Okay, let's now, let's go to the scripture. Uh, We're going to go through some scripture. We're going to begin where it begins, which is not Genesis 12. (laughs) Because really the beginning is Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were exiled from the garden, and I'm going to call that a forced exile. They didn't say, oh, we should go. God said, go. (laughs) So that was exile that was forced upon them. They didn't want to be there. But now let's look at another kind of exile, because in Genesis 12, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred family, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. What? <laughs> you want me to leave my comfort? You want me to leave my Egypt and go where? To the desert? To do what? And you're gonna what? And um, the the Greek words I could again help me if I'm wrong here lech lecha and what god is inviting him to is so interesting because if you translate that those words they mean come and go to yourself and i will be there and in that place there's a blessing because i'm going to show you a land i'm going to make you a great nation i'm going to bless you i'm going to make your name great not all, not only for you. Here's the, this, this is, I call this God's overflow. Because it's never about us anyway. It's always, it always has to flow through us. I'm going to do all these things for you, Abram, so that you will be a blessing. So now you get to overflow into the lives of the people that you are with in the desert, or when you finally arrive at home. Um, next slide. Let's go to Deuteronomy and all those scriptures that we read this morning. Surely the Lord your God has blessed you in all your undertakings. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. And wilderness and desert, by the way, are the same word, okay? Because the desert is a wild place. It's also uh, very interesting. I'm going to interject something here, which is the word healing. You know, we're always looking to be healed, right? Heal my trauma. Um, I'm speaking of myself here. (laughs) Uh, I've spent a lot of years wanting healing for my life so that I could be better. And guess what? The only road to healing is not straight. The only road to healing is the road through the wilderness, the off-road way, the place where there are spiders and snakes and rocks that are very hot when you put your butt on them to take a rest and sit down for a moment. Uh, And nothing for miles, so you think that no matter how long you walk, you're not really getting anywhere. And yet, that's always the place. Do you need healing? Don't raise your hand. But if that's something that's living inside of you, go to the desert. Start wandering. Start going to where Jesus is calling us to all the way through his word, by the way. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you, you have lacked nothing My husband and I have been married almost 40 years. It sounds like forever, doesn't it? Except when I look behind me at 40 years, it went by like, how did that happen? How did 40 years go so fast? So as I'm thinking about this with old eyes, new eyes, I'm thinking 40 years in the wilderness is not that bad. Maybe we're supposed to be in the wilderness our entire lives. Just maybe. It's just something I'm chewing on. But I have lacked nothing. I only lack the things I think I lack. Everything else that I need, I have. Next scripture. When the Lord your God has brought you into the land that he swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, notice the name change. Um, Abram pointed to God, but Abraham meant the God who gave you many. So, the name change involved the blessing. I'm going to tell you about my tattoo right here. I was in one of these rows over where Noah is sitting with his lovely wife. And, uh, it was a prayer time. And I was praying with a woman, her name is Jolene Tatum, um, She attended here, and we are still connected uh, in some way. We were praying, and we were weeping, and we were laughing hysterically in the middle of our prayer time because that's what we should do, right? All emotions. Uh, Anyway, one of the things that we talked about was God changing our names. This then moved to a Bible study time where I looked up my name. I've always hated my mother's name. And my mother's name is my middle name. It's going to kill me. Okay, my first name is Barbara. Barbara means foreigner, stranger, alien. And I, that was really who I thought I was. That is, my, that is my unhealed name. That's the name that I wore in my comfortable place with the cute cushions. It's the name that I owned and was ashamed of. And it was the name that separated me from other people. I was an alien. I was a foreigner. And I was also an immigrant, so that didn't help. That just kind of like confirmed, yep, you don't belong here. You don't belong to anybody. And my mother, because my mother had uh, depression and was mentally ill, a lot of you guys know that, and I don't, I don't even know her, even though I lived with her for a lot of years. But she was never available. She was never there. I, and I didn't like her name. So her name is Hildegard, and my middle name is Hildegard. And in that prayer time, We talked about getting our names tattooed on our arms. And later on, when I looked up Hildegard, what Hildegard means is strong tower in time of war. Battle maiden. Feminine for warrior. I'm going to own that name. (laughs) That's the name that will carry me the wilderness it's not alien so on my arm you know when you get a tattoo when you're 65 because that's how young i was when i got that tattoo um, you do have to google first what tattoos look like on older arms <laughs> and you have to deal with the fact that it's not going to be pretty but it says hildegard right here it's in my grandmother's handwriting it is my mother's name but it is my name, and it is that name that carries me through all the wildernesses of my life. It was the name that carried me through the wilderness when I didn't even know I was walking in the wilderness. And now I am willing, most of the time, to enter the wilderness on purpose, because I know that I will meet myself and God in that place. And what A wonder what a wonder when the Lord your God has brought you into the land that he swore to your ancestors to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob to give you a land with fine large cities that you did not build houses filled with all sorts of goods that you did not fill hewn cisterns that you did not hew vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant And when you have eaten your fill, take care that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The Lord your God you shall fear, him you shall serve, and by his name alone you shall swear. Do not follow other gods, any of the gods of the peoples who are all around you. Man, that's hard to do when you're in Egypt, to not follow other gods. And man, what's hard to do in the desert, in the wilderness, is to not complain. And we're going to find that God has something amazing to say about that when we get to Jeremiah, because we're going there too. But the, do you realize that it was the complaining and the lack of trust that kept the Israelites from going to the promised land? You know, it was an 11-day journey that took them 40 years. You know, they sent spies. They were so close that they could send spies to check it out. And then the spies came back, and they said, oh, the people are too big, it's too awful there, we can't go there, even though one of them said, no, no, we can, we can deal. But anyway, they argued amongst themselves, and God said, ah, forget it, guys, you're not going in. <laughs> I'm leaving you out here. I'm going to wait till the grumbling generation is all gone before I actually let you come to the good place. Um, and in that place, can you play that picture now? James Bustamante is my hero. You may think this is a bull in a pool, (laughs) which it is, (laughs) but I want you to consider that it's the golden calf at the foot of the mountain. I want you to see the metaphor of the pleasure that lays all around what we do when we create our own gods. What we do in the desert when we think it's too hot. What we do in the wilderness when it's too wild and crazy. I have to wrap this puppy up and I'm so not done. Okay. Golden calf metaphor. Next slide. Now we're in Jeremiah. The people eventually get to the promised land, but that's what they do. They create all kinds of false gods. They continue to... Tell the real God, talk to the hand, I'm really busy. You know, I have my own life to attend to. I'm busy. I've got a really great job. My husband's driving me crazy. I'm getting a divorce. Uh, My children need to go to college. I'm putting them in sports 27 days a week, which some of you are doing with your kids, by the way, because you're putting them in three sports in one day. Uh, Anyway, that's a judgment, and I repent. (laughs) (laughs) Forgive me. Anyway, once they were in the promised land, in houses that they didn't build because they absconded with other people's houses, which would be an amazing teaching about colonialism, but we're not going there today. Um, Now God says, you guys just keep not paying attention to me. I took you out of Egypt, and I put you in exile here, and I made you comfortable, and I gave you all of me, but now I'm going to put you in exile again because I want you to really understand that I can do all this stuff. So he brings them into exile. Now, this is another forced exile. They don't go to Babylon because they want to be in Babylon. (laughs) Babylon represents the powers, the principalities, the systems of this world. We live in Babylon. We always live in Babylon. Again, there's so much more that I could say there. But let's just talk about God's love and mercy right here because this is where he says, you guys are the worst. You're the biggest complainers. You're the biggest grumblers. You refuse to wander with me. So let me tell you what I think you should do as exiles. I want you all right now to raise your hand. I have just thrown the word exile into your hands. Now I want you to smack it on yourself. Own it. You are an exile because you belong to God, because Jesus has already come. The Savior and the King that all these guys were waiting for, he's arrived. Jesus is here. You are still an exile because we live in Babylon. No matter what we call the country, no matter what we call the town, no matter where our house is, we live in Babylon. We live in a system that is not a benefit. This is what God says. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles, own it to me. This is what God is saying to you whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, until he returns to Jerusalem and saves us again. Build houses. You, build your own house. Live in them. Plant gardens. Eat what they produce. Take wives. Have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear more sons and daughters. Populate that place. Populate Babylon. Multiply there and do not decrease. Next slide. But, here's the climax. Seek the welfare of the city. What? Seek the welfare of Babylon? What? We watched a movie here last night called The Story of Plastic. And one of the questions that was thrown at the host who was involved with this project uh, of getting rid of plastic, um, one of the questions thrown at her was, well, how can we get the government to do all these things? And she said, the government is not going to do it. Babylon is not going to take care of us. And then I was reminded while she was speaking of a little tiny song that I loved because I did children's ministry for many years Um, that this woman we went to this concert I don't even remember her name but the name of the song was this little is much Mary Mary Rice Hopkins amen let me speak that over each of us exiles you're much you're the ones who can make a difference in Babylon and guess what that's what we're called to Uniquely, we are peculiar people. Old book, Rodney Clapp, 1994, something like that. We are a peculiar people. How do we live as exiles in a world that likes systems, that likes empire? How do we live that way? I'm going to say this is how we do it. All the things that it says in Jeremiah. And then... um, We love. Love is dangerous and subversive. Love makes people really, really uncomfortable. That's what we're called to do. That is our weapon. It is our strength. It is our word. It is our God. Love. We're going to worship something? Let's worship love. We're going to do something about plastic, about hunger, about the weather. Let's love. Little is much. We're going to move to a time of communion right now. And uh, some people are serving. I know that the Fars are going to be serving communion, and the band is going to come back up And as we get ready uh, for communion. Oh, man, the thing I want here, I threw on the ground. No, I don't need that one. Not that one. (laughs) Oh, it's my Catholic Bible, too, Monica. Yeah. I only need one. I don't need these last two pages because I think it's... I just have a blessing that I want to read us as we are. The small chalices are grape juice, the fatter ones are wine, there is bread, there is non-gluten bread and grape juice also in these little packets. Come come as exiles to hear Jesus say to you, little is much, you are enough, you are bigger than you ever thought was possible in my home. That's where we end up when we're willing to wander. We end up finding our home in Jesus Christ. I just want to read this blessing over you. God, you call us to bless the city even while we are exiles here, even while the kingdom is in part and not yet. The world now is too dangerous and too beautiful for anything but love. May your eyes be so blessed you see God in everyone, your ears, so you hear the cries of the poor. May your hands be so blessed that everything you touch is a sacrament. Your lips, so you speak nothing but the truth with love. May your feet be so blessed that you run to those who need you, and may your heart be so opened so set on fire that your love, your love, because of the love of Jesus for you, changes everything. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ. The cup of salvation shed for you. For the exile.